Welcome to the MA Road Show, episode number 291. My name is John Morgan. Cold Coffee is not with me, but we will certainly be talking about him shortly. Just got to say what's up to our man, Cold Coffee, and give him a little love. But the man that is with me, the man that has taken his place for so long on Fight Island, it is Hot Tea. That is Oscar Willis from the World MMA Award nominated the Mac Life. It's like Kenny's the guy that the, the partner you have at home, and then I'm the little bit of rough you'd go away on with the <laughs> to trips away. That's exactly what it is. And listen, speaking of trips away, I mean, the five week stretch that we're on right now in Fight Island is coming to an end. I mean, we're just days away. We're we're sitting down as we always do on a Thursday afternoon, a gorgeous Thursday afternoon. You can hear the excitement <laughs> in my voice. We are mere days away. Seventy two hours from now, we will be sitting on a plane flying home. And uh, listen, I, I'm just going to say it. I mean, I miss home. I got no problem with here. I got no issue whatsoever with Abu Dhabi. It's a fantastic place to be. It's a fantastic uh, location. They treat us well. I certainly feel safe. It's great. I was being poured a beverage as he said that. <laughs> I, I, you see? I mean, we're here at Stills at the Crown Plaza, our home away from home, and I can't complain one bit. But we've had eight weeks here in Abu Dhabi over the last couple months, and uh, – I would say probably I haven't done the math since the first one. Have we spent more time in Abu Dhabi than we did back in Vegas? How long was the time back in Vegas? It was like seven weeks, right? It's, it's so. It's, I think out of the past fifteen weeks, we spent more time in Abu Dhabi than we have in Vegas. Yeah, I think I worked it out. I think maybe twelve percent of my year has been here. Something ridiculous. I don't know, but I remember when I left UFC two forty two with uh, Habib Dustin Poirier. I remember I uh, was never planning on coming back. <laughs> And then uh, just 2020 did a number on you, son. Yeah, and I have to say, compared to the, that trip, uh, these two trips have been great. Right. But, you know, I'd like to go somewhere where I can drink on the street. Yeah, that'd be nice. <laughs> <laughs> where, um, where we don't quite get the same look yeah, that we get know, here. Just that sort of, that, that smile, but the, the, the hatred behind the eyes. <laughs> uh, but no, I'm, I'm, it's been great. Considering how long we've been here away from home and away from our friends and, and family, um, I, we should be feeling a lot worse. Yeah. So I think it's okay. It's not a bad place. I, I would highly recommend coming here. And, in fact, I, I hope to be able to take my wife and kid here at some point and let them see what hell we've spent so long. Never before that, I think, but now that they've, you know, if we've been here for so long, I'd like for them to see it. But uh, I'm just ready to get home, see my kid, for see sure. my wife, spend some time in my own house. Yeah. Uh, I want to go back, see the girls. You know how it is. <laughs> yeah, we know how you do. Uh, <laughs> all right, listen, uh, we, we, of course, we're going to talk about USC 254 because that is what is wrapping everything up. I do want to give a quick update, and I'm just going to do it right off the bat because I'm sure people want to know. Cold Coffee, of course, uh, I think last time we were sitting here, we kind of signed off by saying uh, he was going through some shit, is I think the easiest way I could put it. Um, and it progressed, it got progressively worse after we, after we got done recording, and uh, no easy way to say it. Uh, his longtime girlfriend passed away of some um, kind of unexpected uh, health complications that she had been battling over the previous two months. Um, and so it has been a very, very dark time for our, our, our good friend, uh, Ken Hathaway, better known as Cold Coffee around these parts. But I'm happy to report that uh, my wife put together a GoFundMe uh, to help him offset some of the costs that he was facing from everything. And I and, you know, wasn't sure how successful it would be if we'd be able to pull that kind of money together because, um, you know, it's, it's unfortunately the bills that remain after somebody passes are not cheap. Um, but, man, the love from the community that, that came together and, um, man, the, the goal was met right away and even exceeded right away. And 
Um, I can tell you right now, you know, and hopefully Cole Coffey will be back next week to, to, to give a little bit of his own thoughts. You know, he's still a little bit up and down, still a little bit emotional, um, but I can tell you that money was a, a huge burden off of his chest um, and allowed him to really kind of focus on the grieving, to be honest, and, and, and handling what needs to be handled. Um, but even better than that, man, the amount of people that reached out to, to give him a shout, to donate some money, to – to, to uh, just give him some love. Um, man, I can tell you firsthand from some conversations I've had, it's, it's, it's helping him a lot, man. And, uh, you know, it's not going to change anything. It's not going to make his loss any easier to deal with, uh, or, or at least it won't make it any better, but it's at least going to help him, I think, get through that process. Yeah, and, and there's nothing I can really say to add to that, um, you know, what you just said there, other than I would like to also express my gratitude to some of the people we know who donated money, you know, yeah. um, the MMA media world is a bit of a weird place. There's a lot of politics and there's a lot of sort of bitching and we're all a bit gossipy whores sometimes. But um, to see names in there, donating money to a guy that they don't work with or from another outlet and stuff, right. I, I really respect that. I really appreciate it. Obviously, it was very nice for me to see my friend was so beloved by the community. Yep. And um, I'd just like to say that although I hate most of you, <laughs> I appreciate you giving your money. <laughs> that is the truth. So <laughs> it, it is, uh, it's it's still not easy for cold coffee. And uh, like I said, I won't actually be with them next week because I'll be back on the road. Even though I get home right away, then I go out to Philadelphia for CFFC on Thursday and Friday. So I'll end up probably recording by myself. But maybe we can check in and get a little message from him or find out how he's doing. Um, but, I, but I can tell you day by day he's, he's, uh, he's on the comeback trail. So that's, that's all we can ask. Obviously, anybody that's ever experienced loss like that knows that it's not easy to deal with. Um, but he's moving in the right direction. So good on you, Cole Coffee, and we'll, we'll continue to express our love to you. Uh, all right, so that leaves us with UFC 254, the reason that we're here this week, uh, the, the big, the grand finale of them all. You know, it's funny, this five-week span, there's been times where, you know, it's, it's, it's five weeks seem daunting, but now we're here at the end, and this fight week has gone quickly, and I think it's all centered around the main event. Habib Nurmagomedov versus Justin Gaethje for all the marbles, you know, the, the, uh, the unification bout, um, which – I mean, say what you will about the unification bout. Inter interim titles are a funny thing, right? Because unless they're really, really, really needed, like somebody's yeah. out for a while, most people kind of do what Justin Gaethje did, which was just – I don't know. They didn't necessarily throw it on the floor like yeah, he did yeah. when he won it. But, I mean, I think – I think, and, 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 heck, let's just start with it right there. I like the attitude that Justin is showing about that. And, and I know that you guys in the press room, right before we came over here, were just having some conversations about it, right? Like, you know, it came up about how – uh, there were some people talking about how Dustin Poirier handled winning the interim title. You know, there are people that have discussed how Tony Ferguson handled winning the interim title. And it's not knocks against either of those guys. I mean, winning an interim title, it's still a title. It's yeah. still a belt that will go into your case, and that's it's a part of history. And, of course, and even Justin Gaethje's admitted this, uh, it helps you get them uh, pay-per-view yeah, points, baby. It helps you get that money. So you can't complain about it from that point of view. And, and I don't want to take away from Dustin Poirier. I don't want to take away from Tony Ferguson because I have the utmost respect for him, and I and, and I've been covering their careers for a long time, and I love them both as fighters. So I don't want to say what they've done is wrong, but I like the way that Justin Gaethje's handled it even a little bit better. Where, you know, again, the night he won it, I did think throwing it on the ground is a little bit, like, almost disrespectful to the organization. Like, oh, I'm sorry. Why did I hand you this? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, you can't even put it on your shoulder for a damn photo op. But I like what it represents, and I love the face-off that they had on the beach the other day where Justin Gaethje just, you know, he, he put it on briefly, and then he handed it back, and he's like, I don't want this one. That's the one I'm going for. And he pointed over Habib's belt. And to me, again, not to knock those other guys, I think there's something really healthy about that attitude. I love the attitude. I do wonder if it's maybe because 
you know, Justin Khabib was not the fight we were meant to get, right? It was Tony Khabib for the longest time. And I wonder if maybe subconsciously to a certain degree, Justin kind of feels like he slipped in here. I mean, he absolutely deserves right. to be right, here. Right. But it, to me, if you took the if you took the poster and took the belt off Gaethje's shoulder, I wouldn't even notice. To me, right. that's how little no, I agree. that's how little that interim title means to me, and how until you just said it, unification was not a thing I'd associate with this fight. Right. So I think Justin probably feels the same. You know, it, like you said, it's it's not Khabib wasn't in that fight because the world went insane. It's not. I don't know. Unless you really need an interim title, I don't think you should put a lot of stock into it. And look, Dustin and Tony are quite right to do how they feel. And Izzy did the same thing. Remember, Israel was really big on the in yeah, Israel. He was, defend he was defending his interim belt, right? He preferred the interim title. Yeah, so yeah. Um, I think uh, I, I don't want to compare his attitude, but I will say as a spectator, I very much appreciate it. I really like it. It does say to me, I'm coming right. to get this win. I, I You know, but they all do, right? So, but you know what? You know, there's something you said there, and, and 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 I think that does make sense. You know, maybe you know Tony and Dustin each felt like they took a much longer path to get to where they right. were as well. You know what I mean? Not that you know Justin hasn't earned his way to there, but it wasn't nearly as long in the making. You know, yeah. there, you know, the winning streaks weren't quite as long, that sort of thing. So anyway, it's good. Um, obviously, none of that will matter once they step into the cage. What will matter is is their fighting skills. Uh, but I, but I do like the attitude. And oh, by the way, I'll I'll just go ahead and, and, and say it now, man. I do love uh, Justin's attitude at the press conference the other day where he, where he was like, man, I'm not even supposed to be here right now. You know, I, I come from this little last town in Arizona. Here I'm on a beach in, in Abu Dhabi. And, and, and how about throwing out the fact, you know, my parents and what they sacrificed yeah, yeah. for and as long. Once that bell rings, my mom is done. You know what I mean? She's retired. I've made enough money that I'm going to make that happen for her. That's awesome. Dude, how can, you not, how can you not cheer for something like that? Oh, no. Um, yeah. <laughs> what, what, what's the? Oh, geez. Okay, I see. There's, there's, there's. We happen to have some UFC fights on in the background, and a very large TV here in Stills, and a fight that doesn't necessarily live incredibly well in Oscar Willis's memory is is on the big screen. Got to give him that take that takedown offense, though. Um, <laughs> um, see, look at that scramble. Anyway, the rematch. No. Um, yeah. I mean, looks. I'm a big mummy's boy. So to hear Justin say that uh, and. I like that. I like any sort of philanthropy in fighting. I think it's something about combat sports. I mean, traditionally boxing and stuff. It's a sport that represents the working people. Mm -hmm. You know, it, champions are historically and very famously guys who have come from the bottom, worked their way up from the gutter. And as Dustin Poirier and Teddy Atlas like to say, you know, spent that took 12, 12 rounds to make life fair yeah, or 25 yeah, yeah. minutes to make life fair. I really I like, like that. that. That's part of the romanticism I have about fighting. And so when you can do that and then use it to help other people I, I will never not love that I do as well all right let's let's do this um I, I want to talk about what we think about Gaethje and, and the mentality you know we just talked about kind of the belt mentality but we'll talk about the rest of it in the game but I want to do I, I want to play uh some audio here that, that we just got before we got over here I think it's pretty cool and I'll, and I'll give a shout out to Vicky Coughlin in the uh, in the PR department uh she's at the UK office you know she knows that, that we're trying to make this trip and our time you know worth as much as we can um, and, and get all the content that we can. And she actually said, what would you think about having uh, the coaches for the headliners come in and do uh, a, a little media scrum for you guys? And, and right away we said, man, that sounds like a phenomenal idea. You know, it's, 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 uh, it's interesting. It's something that happens a lot more in the boxing world, right, where the trainers are featured a lot more. And, and yeah, talk press to conferences. Media. Yeah, they are, exactly. And it's weird because I've gone back and forth on this, right, because on the one hand it's like, I think sometimes that gets out a little a little out of control in the boxing world as well, right? Like all of a sudden the trainers are now the stars instead of the fighters. Um, and I don't want to necessarily see that happen. Uh, I think the fighters need to remain central, you know. But I think 
picking the brains of these guys is is something fun to do and and they definitely deserve more recognition as a whole than they get it depends on their style right so if you have someone like Whitman or or Mendez the two guys who spoke to you today who who are quite happy to keep out of the spotlight I actually would very much enjoy talking to them and picking their brain they're so analytical on the flip side we sometimes see coaches who like to be in the spotlight and then their Brazilian fighter loses to Israel Adesanya and they're still trying to get themselves in the headlines. Wow, so I don't, don't necessarily know, know. don't even know who you might be suggesting there. You're saying, hypothetically speaking, I if just, something like that were to happen. I just think sometimes it can be a little bit too inappropriate. So there's a healthy balance, but I think it depends on the coach. And with guys like Javier and, and Trevor, they're such... I mean, Whitman especially, I, we were texting each other while he was talking, saying, holy shit, this, guy, me up. this guy's... To hear him in his analytical brain, I love people like that. So there's a balance. I would like to see it happen more often with perhaps the highest of profile fights. Yeah, let's do that. Let's get to Trevor Whitman. Um, I will admit, as it starts out, I was a little worried that maybe he was going to be, I don't want to say standoffish, but I thought maybe he he, he was, um, I don't know, that maybe he was worried about giving away too much. But by the end, man, I thought he was very, very open with everything he was saying and doing. And uh, as you said, man, we were texting back and forth with each other like, oh, my God, I'm, this guy's hyping me up right now. Uh, so here is, uh, here's Trevor Whitman. Trevor, I guess as a, as a coach and a competitor, I mean, how excited were you for this challenge, right? I mean, the, the, the riddle that's never been solved, the guy that nobody's been able to figure out. How fun is that for you to get in and say, we're going to craft a game plan to do this? I mean, that's the ultimate. Uh, it gets me up, and uh, those are the type of challenges I want for my athletes, you know, at the right time. And, uh, yeah, this is this is this is – my purpose as a coach and as a person is to externalize the internal champion, and uh, I feel that's what I do very well. So very excited for that. When you're when you're making a game plan for a guy like Habib, you know, like uh, you've seen a lot of tape on him, right? I mean, I think people can figure out this is, I think, what it takes. But then, how do you take that game plan and craft? I mean, do you ever go, okay, I think this is what it would take to beat him, but I'm not sure my guy can execute that. I know he can do this instead. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Like, how much do you tailor a game plan against the opponent based on what your guy can do? Uh, well, first off, I tailor my game plans throughout a career for a championship fight. You know, we work on fundamentals from the beginning. And one thing that I think uh, we were able to do very well was keep our most important weapon hidden. And with Justin Gaethje, he's a extremely good wrestler, and he's got a very unique style in wrestling. And uh, he hasn't had to use it. Again, it's very hard to go on game plan against someone's wrestling uh, when they haven't showed it. And I always call wrestling the get out of jail card uh, in the fight sport because wrestling, I believe, is the most dominant position controlling piece you can have. So I feel good about that. But Khabib is the best at what he does. So it's not like I'm going, hey, we're going to go in there and just out-wrestle him. It's just, again, that's just a, uh, a little bonus of what we have. And, uh, again, it's just an opportunity to go out there and face the best. And I do believe Khabib, I believe he's the best pound for pound. And I've thought that for a long period of time. I mean, there's other fighters that put on exciting fights, and you can consider them best pound for pounds and, and who they faced and things like that. But he's just the, the – it's patterns. It's who's the most consistent. And – when it comes to being consistent, that's that's the key to being great. It's consistency, and he's he Khabib is that. So in the build up to this fight, like Justin's been pretty open. I don't think it's a mystery. I'm sure you guys have 
you know, levels and, 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 and multiple options, but he's like, I got to stay off the fence if I'm in the center, I'm in a bad spot. I mean, I think that's probably fairly common knowledge, but does it bother you at all or worry you at all? Like, oh, Justin, don't, don't talk about any of that. Like, don't say anything in the public. No, not at all. I, I, I mean, this is, they're, they're, they're both so high level, they know what each other are going to do. You know, hiding a game plan. I don't. I, I think coming up with game plans. That's yes. That's a great thing you need to do. And we definitely come up with game plans. But in life, you come up with plans. But your plan never stays exactly how you put it. You have to have a target. You have to have a destination, and you have to be able to adjust to your plan. If you take a trip and you hit a detour, a lot of people go, "Oh man, my whole oh, plan B, plan B." And that, to me, is the worst thing you can say to someone in a corner. Is, "Oh man, we got to switch our game plan." I mean, instantly. You're, you're clearly showing a big old sign to your athlete, we are losing, you know? And for me, it's the adjustments that we need to make. And I plant seeds. I don't put a lot of uh, our opponents' names into my athletes' uh, uh, minds because we're visual. And if I say Khabib over and over and over, he's sleeping with Khabib through training. Every night he goes to sleep, he's got that visual of Khabib. Again, we focus on winning rounds. And, uh, I mean, that's what Justin does. Justin's a, a performer. We, one thing I do know, he's going to go out and perform. And uh, that's all I ask. I, I, I don't go into these fights so determined to win. A lot, a lot of people always talk about, hey, man, you got to win, you got to win. And to me, you can lose rounds and still win the fight. And you can lose fights and still win championships. So it's about how do you adjust? How do you, how do you learn from things? People are like, well, you know, Khabib's... What if he takes you down? I said, that's one of the best things that can happen to us in a fight because we'll, we'll see things. You, you don't know how he takes you down until he takes you down. So what we're going to do is, is, is go out there and not hesitate. So last thing for me, I would say, especially given what you're just talking about, given the respect you have for Abib, what's the biggest key? Is it, is it physical tactics or is it mental focus? Because I feel like when you watch Abib fights, you see moments where guys – Break. You see it on their face, and they go, "Man, this dude's a little bit different." So, is it physical tactics and strategy, or is it mental focus during the 25 minutes? It's 100% mental. This fight. These guys are at the highest level. It's who who can go out there and 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 do what they do. You have to be in control of yourself to win championships, and Khabib has been the best at that. He has controlled himself throughout fights. He's had conversations with guys when he fights them, and to me, he's in control. What we got to do is take him out of control. And we're not going to sit there and force him to go out of control. We need to be in control of ourselves and not break. Khabib breaks people. And Justin Gaethje is one of those guys that, you know, he says the most craziest things. I've coached for a long period of time, and I've never had athletes say things in the way he says them. It's just like it's real. He really loves to fight. He really says, hey, man, if I die, I want to die in here. Like, that's crazy to me. And just to be real with that, is honesty and truth to yourself and your self-image is, is key in life. And uh, I know he's going to perform, and I know I'll be proud. And again, the outcome, I don't look into that. I look at going out there and making sure I'm on point. I, it's, it's as important he needs to perform as it is for me to perform. You know, I am not here to go out there and hope he does well. I'm focused on me performing, and uh, that's all I can control. And I trust that he's gonna perform just because of his patterns. Trevor, 
It would seem in a Khabib fight the worst case scenario would be you get to sort of round three and he's been dominant for 10 minutes and he's had you against the fence on the floor for 10 minutes. Do you have an idea in mind? I know you said you don't want to go, oh, we need to switch to game plan B. But do you have an idea in mind what you can say or what you can tactically change to stop the fight getting that momentum? Yeah, there's so many different scenarios that go through my head with this and uh, different things that I've experienced in my career and things that I've failed at in my career that I've learned from. And it all comes down to the situation and, and the adjustments that we'll need to make. And I don't know if that's a, you know, to be a coach and, and not just a teacher, but a coach, I have to know my athlete and I got to know how to piss them off. I got to know how to wake them up. I got to know how to cool them down and slow them down and, and bring them back. Uh, that uh, that's where I have to perform, and I don't know in the scenario. I've I've seen it over and over in my head. What Khabib does, he goes out there and breaks people. And again, it, it I don't know what conversation, what story I'll have to bring up uh, if we get in that situation. But I'm ready for that, and uh, and I do believe uh, Justin is the most co coachable athlete in sports like the guy is unreal how he listens and how he can turn a friendship off and listen to anything i tell him to do sometimes i mess around with him and i always talk about being coachable i have a story a funny story when shane used to work out he'd work out shane carwin he'd work out with uh all our classmates at the gym and he was the only athlete that did that and he was fighting on the on a large scale and i have a hula hoop drill where it's hip hip control and i call it hula hoop just to kind of you know, bring their ego back a little bit, mess with them, you know, like the little dog barking. And I brought in a pink hula hoop and uh, had Shade put it on, and Shade was so coachable. And uh, Justin, if I told him to put a hula hoop on, he would put it on and swing it around and have no care. He's so freaking coachable. By far the most coachable person I've worked with on the sense of, I almost wish he would ask more questions. He just, he just, he has 100% trust in me. Habib's fights all tend to look the same way. Mm -hmm. um, but is there one you can point at and say, from a tactical point, I've gained the most out of watching this fight, if it be Poirier, Connor, Tebow, is there one in his catalog that you've looked at and thought, okay, I've seen something in this I can take away? Which fight would that be? Yeah, I mean, there, 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 there's so many different ones. Al Quinta taking a fight on that. When he had four fights, I was on that card with Rose and, and Joanna. Uh, there's four fights that fell through that week. And I remember them chase, changing all the posters, and I felt so bad for the UFC crew just adjusting these posters. I'm like, gosh, there's so much work that goes into this. And he was adjusting, you know, game plans in his head, I'm guessing, and going, oh, my God, this guy, this guy, this guy. And uh, he went out and wrestled, and, and, and Khabib made an adjustment and went to a jab and started looking, you know, I'm going to say Muhammad Ali just because it didn't look like Muhammad Ali, but from Khabib going from wrestling to that, I was like, damn, he went to Muhammad Ali. He was on his feet. He was backing up and throwing jabs. So, I mean, there's so many different patterns in what he does so well. He's very good at adjusting, and uh, he's, he's greatness. He's, uh, he's a guy who is going to be the toughest to break, the t uh, toughest to make adjustments to. And, uh, and with the little adjustments he's made, he's been consistent. So I've seen all sorts. I've seen him get rocked. I've seen him get rocked and... and, and stay so composed while he's rocked. He, he knows how to move his feet when he's rocked and pull you in and, and get you to pressure him so he, he can close the gap easy. I mean, there's so many different things. Uh, uh, I mean, there's, there's so many different fights. I see a little bit different in each fight he fights. 
the last thing for me, a lot of the conversation about this fight has been, will Justin break? Will Justin break? And I feel like no, one, no one's ever sort of been able to test Khabib's mm -hmm. mentality. If Khabib can't take you down, is there a possibility he breaks? If mm -hmm. he gets rocked and he's unable to get it to the ground, is there a chance that he starts to break? Yep. I, I believe anybody in the world is breakable. And again, it's, uh, it's 90% of the time not I mean, the, the, the athlete you're facing is, is a big part of breaking you, but your biggest opponent is yourself and the conversation that's going on in your head. And when you lose fights, most of the time you lose to yourself. And, and when you can look at an athlete and athletes that are truthful with themselves, they can be like, ah, oh, I, I could have did this, I could have did that. But you know the flags in your head where you're like, ah, oh, you start to pull back, you start to hesitate, you start to think when's the round over. Those type of thoughts where you're thinking, you know, past or future you're not present and uh you know again anybody's breakable all right so that was trevor women uh justin gaethje's coach of course kind of a mentor and uh man i, I, I First of all, I love the stories that he was telling. I mean, Whitman is a great storyteller, and he's, um, he's, he's a great mind for the game. But I feel like, uh, man, he really just confirms a lot of the things that we talk about Justin Gaethje and, and, and the type of attitude that he brings, the type of, of spirit and will and, 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 and what it's going to take, man. And, um, you know, the mental focus, the mental belief in yourself um, – it has to be that guy that after four rounds is, is saying, yeah, this is fun, right? Yeah. I mean, it has to be that guy. And so it, it, it's one of those things where it's, it's almost like, um, you know, like you watch a, a UFC countdown or a prime time. You start going, oh, man, this dude is all about it. And then, you know, Habib smothers him and you go, what the hell is I thinking? And, but, but we're not being fed any editorial, you know, storyline from somebody. I mean, we're just watching it and confirming, I think, things that we're thinking about. But I just – I do believe that Justin Gaethje has a very real chance of winning this fight for a lot of the reasons that are, that were talked about there. It, it's one of those things, and we spoke about this. We did a previous show earlier. We spoke about that where um, the fights that you can't tell are the most exciting. But for me, it's because I can't tell what's going to happen is what makes me think Justin has a great chance. Right? You should be able to predict what's going to happen. And with Justin, there's just this sort of the belief is off the chain right now. Mm -hmm. I really appreciate that. But, you know, I feel like it's – on one hand, I want to commit and say Justin could could have a real chance. But then I remember before Poirier, I felt Poirier might get it. You know, like, I think there's an element of guys coming in to fight the champion and they're coming for – they have, you know, these stories that we get invested in, his mom and Poirier's life fair. It's, it's easier – to sort of convince yourself the challenger, oh, just, oh my God, he might just get it done. And you right. sort of focus on that narrative instead of, could be a smash. Yeah. Um, so I want to sort of say Justin's got a real chance. I believe he does. Sure. I mean, it, it all just looks to me, but it's just so, I, I'm, I'm lost for words because I just can't predict what's going to happen. I, I can't either. That's what, as you said, that's what's most exciting about it is that it, it doesn't seem like a wash either way. Um, I, I will say this, and, and you and I talked about it a little bit, um, the environment itself. Um, man, you and I were both there at UC 242 in that tent. It was a different venue. Obviously, it was here in Abu Dhabi, but it was a different venue. It was hot as hell in there. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, very, very heated. Um, and, of course, it was full of fans that were cheering for Habib. 
And, you know, listen, I know that doesn't change what happens in the, in the cage once the door is locked behind you. But I will say this. Um, when you're Dustin Poirier and it's hot as hell in there and, and humid yes. and probably difficult to get a breath anyway, and now you're being smothered. And now, if you remember that venue, man, it felt – it felt small. It felt like the crowd was right on yeah, top of the steep. people. It was yeah. very steep. Yeah, I remember going out into the crowd and thinking, like, oh, yeah. it's very, very tight. I just, I just wonder, because I think that's the biggest thing that a lot of us were shocked by, right, is that it felt like Dustin Poirier broke. And we all considered how mentally strong Dustin Poirier is as a human being. And you, and you saw him go back to the stool after the first round, just go, like, I can't get him off me. Like, he's so strong. And, and I do wonder if that fighting environment helped to, to cause that. Now, Justin Gaethje, and I say this in the in the politest way possible. I just don't think he overthinks things. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> I, don't, I don't think he's gonna get caught up in there. Like, oh man, this didn't really go my way. This, the, you know, I, I don't think he'll do that. I think part of it is self belief. Part of it is just like I just don't think he really is like introspective like that. Like I think he's just right. like let's go, let's do this. And so I just wonder if the the fighting environment kind of favors him a little bit too. Not 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 I'm saying that it makes it better for him, but at least makes it a. At least where he's not fighting that as well. I mean, fighting Habib's enough. I think there's a uh, there's a couple of elements to it. There's there's something to be said that we don't hear lots of fighters talk how Gaethje talks, and he says it with a lot of conviction. You know, I'm coming in there to hurt. I'm coming in there to do damage. I'm there. For, I'm built for war, and you hear it and you sort of believe it. I, I just think the guy right. means what he says. He's not lying to you. He means what he says. There's an element of that. And secondly, I wonder if while I don't. The narrative of Gaethje going to break is one of the big things here. I would imagine if you're in the third round and you've been on the floor for 10 minutes and then you get taken down again in the third round, that's a moment in which you could very easily break. Yep. I would imagine that moment is a lot easier to break in if there's also 10,000 people screaming that are really happy that that's it's right. happening to you. That's right. Whereas if you're in a very quiet arena and you know the voice going, okay, we've been here before, yeah, yeah. this and that... I would imagine that could be the shining light in a very, very dark place that keeps you from breaking. I tell you what, man, and and I've always felt that way too. Like you know, you think about the the fervent crowds down in Brazil, the Uvai Marer, the Uvai Marer thing. Right now, listen, we know they're not really going to kill you. And in fact, if you win, unless your name's Kobe, that they might kill you. Uh, <laughs> but you know, they'll, you know, they're going to cheer you. You have a good performance, they're going to cheer you. You know what I mean? But I do think, like, you know, all of a sudden you get rocked. And you're trying to like figure out where you yeah, are. Yeah, there's yeah. all these chants coming at you, yeah. and it's like as loud as you can be. It's not just like a <gasps> like they do in America. I mean, you know, I do think it makes it harder. So I think you make a, a great point there. So um, you know, again, not that the environment changes everything. So the other, I, I think the real, and, and you brought it up at the press conference, and and, and we got to talk to it too, uh, Daniel Cormier, Michael Chiesa, um, you know, some of the experts, which is great. Again, we've been able to speak to the on-air talent, which has been yeah, fun, man. I, yeah. I really have enjoyed their analysis. Um, all that is on, I think, probably both of our YouTube channels if people want to go check it out, um, but, but hearing them break it down. But, you know, is, is the D1 wrestling of Justin Gaethje really up to snuff when it comes to defending who we widely consider probably, you know, if, if not the best wrestler of all time in MMA, at least right up there? Like, I know a lot of people have respect for what George St. Pierre accomplished, even though he, even though he yeah. didn't grow up as a wrestler. And... I think the overwhelming sense has been that, okay, look, Habib does something different just because he's so relentless and his, you know, his, his unwillingness to stop and, and, to, and to continue, shoot, shoot, chain, chain, move. Yeah. 
you know, that's kind of been been interesting. Um, and I think Khabib himself mentioned he thinks the thing about Dagestani wrestling versus, uh, say, Division One collegiate wrestling is um, that collegiate wrestling is more about scrambles and about reversals, whereas the, the Dagestani style is more about just absolute lockdown control, which is really what we think about him, you know, with the leg rides yeah, and the yeah. wrist rides and those sort of things. But I will say this, man, and of course um, – I mean, to hear it from Cormier is respectful enough, but, you know, maybe he was trying to be too kind. So nobody thought he was being too nice to his guy. Um, but I thought you really heard it from Kiesa as well. I mean, everybody we talked to, I think, said, look, um, Gaethje's wrestling is legit. And even though he doesn't use it for his his uh, his attacking side, that his defensive side and what he, you know, what he has is legit, it's just is it going to be that level? Yeah, I mean, maybe my hottest take of everything is I, I think Gagey's wrestling will be completely insin- uh, insufficient to deal with Habib's. Um, I think one of the biggest differences, you know, Habib said about he'll just continue to go for it. I'd like to describe the word as unapologetic. He will unapologetically shoot for the takedown at any point, whereas I think American wrestlers tend to sort of look for a setup to go for takedown. They don't just sort of mash the buttons and just go for it, go for it, just like, as if you're playing a video game, just completely like spam the takedown, right. whereas Habib does. So I think that's the case. I also think um, the fact that Justin Gaethje's wrestling is supposedly very good, I wouldn't can't say I'm familiar with the D1 wrestling system. Fair enough. I will note that all the people saying his wrestling are good are also in the D1 American wrestling system, so they might have their own. Maybe sort they're of, defending it a little bit. Okay, they might have I see their, where you're going with that. They might have their own biases as to how all effective right. it is, but I will say that I think the fact that Gaethje hasn't used it in his MMA career is not helpful. It means he's probably going to be to a degree out of practice with it one and two Trevor Weir no Javier Mendez today said that wrestling and MMA wrestling is very very different that's well, true well he's a great wrestler we don't know if he's a great MMA wrestler because he's never used it so I think the wrestling thing could actually turn around and this is a thought I just developed while I'm talking to you I think that's why we do this it w- yeah I know it we w- don't care if anybody listens we're just trying to figure it out yeah, yeah, yeah. I, need to do- I need to say something on Friday night <laughs> but um I wouldn't be surprised if the rest, if suddenly Gaethje's wrestling feels as if it wasn't even there. Yeah, I'd be interesting to see. I mean, I, I definitely don't think we'll see an offensive attack. Maybe they'll shock me. You know, Trevor Whitman did say, "Hey, that would seem like an odd idea." It, w- it would. I mean, Trevor Whitman did say, "You know, look, we've we've kept some things to ourselves. You haven't really seen the wrestling." I think maybe he's kind of trying to bait. I cannot be. I, I could be wrong. I mean. I guess maybe it would be something different, you know, like, hey, you know what? We don't plan on defending Habib's takedowns. We plan on taking him down. Well, I mean, you could argue that the guy's probably not had a lot of practice defending. But I just I just think when I think of American wrestling, I think of set up, set up, jab, jab, go for the takedown, sprawl, separate, reset. Right. When I think of Dagestani wrestling, I think they get in a bear lock and they sort of just roll around <laughs> yeah, and, yeah, until yeah. something happens. Walk through jab, duck inside. Yeah, yeah, and just, <laughs> I'm going, I'm going. You know, I just, there seems to be a level of commitment or maybe a level of, I don't need to reset, I'm halfway here already, yeah. that Khabib does that American traditional American wrestlers don't do. It's so true. It's like, dude, I've and I don't know if that's, the, if that's the, the style or if that's just he's a unique It's a person. little bit of both, but I think you're absolutely right. It's that thing. It's like, hey, I've got my arm around you. I've got control of your wrist. I'm not letting it go to back away to try to get to the same position. I'm already in this position. Now I'm going to keep working it even though it's not perfect. Uh, because I know I'm not going to burn myself out. But there's an element of that, right, has to be attributed to his own strength, Khabib's own physical strength, right? Because if you're Gaethje and you're halfway on a shot, it's in your interest to let go because you can't just muscle fuck the guy onto the ground. Right. The Magomedov probably can. 
Man, I'm, I'm, I'm fired up about this. All right, listen, uh, before we get to the flip side, I should say if you like what you listen to, do us a favor, man. Make sure wherever you're listening, you take a second to, uh, to log in, uh, rate us, review us, give us five stars. You can leave some feedback, leave some feedback. We'd appreciate that, especially if it's positive. I mean, if it's negative, we'll take that too, but we like to No, we won't. Go fuck yourself. Yeah, there you go. Thanks, Oscar. Appreciate <laughs> that. Uh, and then, listen, if you want to take the game to the next level, we'd appreciate it if you head on over to patreon.com slash the MMA Roadshow, where you can sign up for as little as $3 a month uh, to be a part of our growing community over there and as well to uh, listen to the and a half, the exclusive home of the and a half <laughs> episodes that we do after every show where we do a post-fight show that we call and a half that just to get a kick out of, of Oscar to say it. For instance, like, like Robin Lindblad signed up this past week. Certainly appreciate it. appreciate that a lot, man. We really do. All right, let's go to the flip side of this. Um, Habib Nurmagomedov. Um, all right. We know what Habib brings to the table. 28-0, man. I mean, that's that's unbelievable in itself when you think about what he's accomplished at the UFC level. Um, no secrets to his game. You know what I mean? Like, you know, it's not like you got to worry. You the know, footwork's off the charts. Yeah, you know, it's bro. like we've, we've been kind of laughing all week long at how, you know, both guys are pretty open. I mean, Justin has is, is just said, you know, like, yeah, you know, I can't be in the center. And you're like, ah, well, you know. But there is, there's no there's no secrets here. There, does, there doesn't need to be any secrets here. We know what Habib does. Um... But, man, uh, can he do it against this guy, a heavy hitter with defensive wrestling? You know, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and tip my hand and say I don't pick against the guy that's 28-0. No, there's a reason he's 28-0. No. But, listen, pressure, man. And, and that's one thing I think from on the ground, and, you know, we talked to Daniel Cormier today, you know, somebody who is all who understands what the spotlight is like, who gets it as much as anybody. Um, Man, he said it, and I, and I think that's one thing you really don't get. Even what's crazy is, and, and, and you know, if you know, Cormier had a great answer for it too because, you know, we are in a bubble, so it's a little bit different. But even in a bubble, man, you see how much, like, the people, like, all the, all the, the, the wait staff here and the bartenders and, and, the, and the people, man, yeah, I mean, they know that they're taking care of the entire UFC bubble, but Habib. That's the guy. Yeah. And then, you know, when it comes to media attention, you know, we've seen media in and out. Um, you know, we've had different levels of media output each week. This is the biggest, of course, and, and, and it's media from all over the world, right? So not only, not only of course, does the American media care because that's, you know, the UFC's home and, and where it's the biggest market, but, you know, obviously the Middle Eastern market is massive. This is their guy. The Russian market, this is their guy. I mean, Habib faces a lot of pressure and expectations here. Yeah, and we've we've spoken about it a few times leading up to this fight. You know, it's uh, he doesn't strike me as a guy who buckles under pressure, but it, he doesn't also he doesn't strike me as a guy who thrives on it. If that makes sense, I'm not saying like let's not take that out of context. I think the guy obviously does incredibly well under pressure, but there are fighters who I believe love it. I'll look. I'll just say it because you can't because you'll be seen as biased. Conor McGregor thrives on that dude wants all the pressure. I wasn't thinking about anyone. I know you. I know. I know. I know. I'm just gonna throw. Yeah, I'm gonna throw a random name out there that may or may not apply to what you're thinking. But no, that's what we always say about Conor, right? Like that dude is like, put the pressure on me, throw the spotlight on me, tell me I can't do it. Even Jones, and then guess as well. what? Jones and I think as well. John Jones probably deserves that. But yeah, I was thinking of Conor. I just think that Conor in his in his come up. Loved it. You could see him relish so, it. Give it to me. I don't think Habib does that. I just think he can take it. Right. What I'm interested about this fight is that he has, um, and we spoke about this in our preview too, but he has all the pressure. In fact, probably more because now he's established over here. 242, he was liked. Now he's revered yep. over here. And, and I, the staff is the closer we get to fight. You know, the staff here I would describe as a 
friendly, timid bunch. You know, they're very friendly sure. to deal with you, but perhaps they want to just give you your space. The closer we get to the fight, the more and more Somehow they, they give you more space than others. Yeah, yeah. Um, but as a, well, well, actually, that's right. The guy was a new guy who spoke to me, so maybe that's what it was. But uh, you know, as we're getting close to the fight, they're asking more and more about your opinion. How does the fight going to go? Yeah. You, can yeah. see, you can see the nerves building for them, yep. and that's quite that's exciting to see as well. Um, but he doesn't have. We just spoke about the fans and what it could do to Gaethje. He doesn't have the plus side of it. He doesn't get the the in arena energy. He just gets the oh. As the rulers of the true. UAE over there, yeah, ready to, you know, go mental if I lose. So, so true, man. So it's he's kind of he he's admitted he's got pros and cons. I think it does have pros and cons. I'm sure, sure I'm sure he's living fairly comfortably. Um, I'm sure his his room's okay. You know, um. So, but I I do think the more he wins over here, it's only going to grow, and I think it's there's. There's an element. It, it has to weigh on you. I, I did love, uh, you know, sometimes I get a chance to watch the, the embeddeds and sometimes I don't, depending on the fight week. Obviously, here we don't have a lot of other things to do, <laughs> so I've gotten a chance to watch the embeddeds. But I, I did think, and it, and it was funny because we had already started kind of talking about that avenue of it, and he mentioned how, uh, you know, they were following him through the hotel, and, and we've seen it, you know, where people are just flooding to him. I mean, as you said here, Every week, you know, we, we come in here to Stills, and the staff is nice. And they're like, oh, Mr. Oscar, Mr. John, how are we doing? Uh, oh, you the again. The, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and they're like, oh, you, hey, you got the fights this weekend, right? You got the fights this weekend. This weekend, it's been like, Habib, Saturday, what time? Yeah, what's yeah. going on? You know what I mean? They Habib, Habib. Before, it's just the fights. This time, it's been Habib, Habib, Habib. But I loved um, that, that scene they showed on The Embedded where, you know, he's walking into his room, and, and he's talking about dealing with the fame because as he walks through the lobby – it's, I mean, when he walks through, even in the bubble, it's a big deal, right? And, you know, he says, you know, dealing with fame is hard, but my, you know, my coach keeps telling me if you don't like it, just lose. You know what yes. I mean? It's like, ah, yeah, you know, you got to keep winning. So, uh, so let's get to his coach. Let's, let's talk to Javier Mendez um, and let's play a little bit of that audio because uh, he's, he's got a couple of things to say. Obviously, he's, he's back in the man that's undefeated, so he's got to feel pretty good about his chances. But uh, there were a couple of things that he said as well that I want to talk about. So here's uh, the man from AKA, Javier Mendez. Justin Gaethje, uh, how long has been a guy that's been on your personal radar? Somebody that you you know you were scouting and keeping an eye on and, and trying to start breaking them down. I actually haven't had Justin on my radar, and a question was posed to me oh, a 19, 2019, 1999. No, 2019. A, a question was posed: What do I think about him? And, and at that particular time, I didn't really think much of him because I wasn't paying attention to him. So I said, I, I don't, you know, and and maybe that got missed. Uh, you know how you know how you guys twist that thing Absolutely. a little bit. Ariel's real good at that. But anyway, so uh, long story short, I didn't really pay attention to him till he dismantled Tony, because now he was real. Now he's in front of us. So then I paid attention and I saw how great he actually is, and uh, what a challenge he is. You know, that's when I really paid attention. So when it comes to Habib, I mean, I think the question is like. What's the biggest challenge in terms of a beat, right? Is it the fact that Justin's wrestling is so strong, his defensive wrestling is there, or is it, you know, the power that he brings with his hands, his low kicks, that sort of thing? Is it the wrestling or the striking that makes him more dangerous? It's the striking for me, and the fact that he has D1 wrestling uh, does uh, also uh, have a big impact, you know, but it's the striking. He's the best kicker in the business, I believe, you know, and, and the 155 anyways, because I think Israel probably takes the nod for being the best kicker all the way around, but but I think in the 155, I give I give it to Justin. He's the best kicker all the way around over everybody, in my opinion. Fair enough. 
Khabib hasn't really wanted to talk about it, and understandably so, but his camp has changed with the loss of his father. You know behind the scenes better than we do. How much does it really affect his preparation, whether it be the, the, you know, the physical aspect of it, the mental aspect, of course? I mean, how much different has it really been behind the scenes? It, it does affect, and I'll tell you how it affects. When I had his father with me, even though I've only cornered one time, and that was with Dustin, the fact that I would talk to Habib about things, about how we apply things, and he'd always tell me, yes, my father say same thing, coach. <laughs> I don't have that anymore, so I don't have that back backup before. You know, someone that, that, that grew with him and knew him better than anybody, I don't have that. So for me, it's a little bit more uh, difficult uh, per se, but he's been handling it fantastic. He's driven, he's motivated to preserve the legacy that him and his father had planned. And uh, th that's the one thing I can say that is great. He's, his mind, it's like, you know, he says, coach, if anything breaks, it's okay, because my mind is not broken. And lastly, if, if, he, uh, if he wins his fight, you know, obviously he talked about going 30-0 and, and what a mark that would be. Is there a matchup that you would like to see for him in that 30 fight? Is there, is there a, a fight that you would like to prepare with him to, to if it is his last fight, to send him out on, on a high note? Well, if we get by Justin, which I'm hoping we do, and that's the plan, uh, I would like GSP because that's, I was in the car when him and his father discussed the ideal last opponent was GSP. Now, whether it's Habib's last fight, I don't know, but let's just say it is, like you're saying. I would say uh, GSP would be my number one pick. Number one pick, GSP. You mentioned that you weren't really watching Gaethje until the, the performance over Ferguson. When you, you've been preparing for Tony Ferguson for so long, so when you see a guy come in and do that to him, does that just make you immediately think this guy's the biggest threat we could possibly ever face? I thought when I looked at him, I, I was thinking that probably the second biggest threat, because I still to this day believe Connor was. And, and, and the reason why I believe Connor was is because that precision striking. But Justin could easily prove me wrong and prove to be the toughest test we've ever had. We've yet to see that. But I know we've already seen Connor, and that's why I always say Connor, because if you think about it, who's won around against Habib? Connor. And, and, and who's given Habib a tough time on the, take the first round? He took uh, Connor down. But how much damage did Habib give him? No, Connor was very, very good there, you know. So to me, I have to give it to Connor for that. I haven't seen Justin. Now, obviously, if I've seen Justin already and we fought him already and we are victorious like I'm hoping, then I can tell you 100% he was the toughest. But right now, I think in theory he's number two. At the press conference yesterday, Gage said, I have to stay off the cage or I'll die. And I think everyone understands that Khabib's tactically is going to be to get him to the cage. But does that almost give you a tell that if Khabib gets him against the cage with regularity, he's going to mentally break? Is he giving you a tell there that, oh, if I'm in that position that I can't be in, I'm going to give up? Absolutely not. That guy ain't quitting for nothing. That guy's a true warrior, man. He ain't quitting. you got to kill him to stop that guy, both of those guys. So, no, it goes in the middle. It goes in the cage. He's fighting. He's giving it all. That You've seen what type of person he is. You've seen what kind of great warrior he is. and You see the mentality he has. He, he, how can you not love him? You ha I mean, you have to respect him. If you don't love him, you have to respect him. And obviously my job is, I'm with Habib's coach, and I love him, and I want him to win, and we're doing everything we can. But Justin is as credible as they come in every department, mental, physical, and how he approaches the fight game, how he acts. He's great everywhere. It's over the, the past few fights, Gaethje's striking has become a lot more refined. He used to be this crazy brawler. Um, Khabib's a little bit of an unorthodox striker, but I don't necessarily think he's a bad striker, like some people like suggest. But do you think there's an argument that by becoming more refined and traditional, Gaethje's actually playing into Khabib's hands, and would it be better for Gaethje to just come in, swing wildly, and unorthodox himself? 
No, I wish Gagey would come in wild and orthodox and go crazy. I would do better. But his coach, uh, you know, settled him down, got him to relax and think about the game planning and, and fight correctly. And, and therefore, he's got a great coach. So obviously he knows what's up. So I, I got a master chess player on the other end of, of, of the octagon for me. So I had to stay sharp, too, because uh, I'm not dealing with the normal coach. He, he's an incredible coach. Last one for me. You mentioned Connor and the threat he uh, possesses and that you think Justin's probably still number two. I'm just curious how you would imagine a fight between those two would go. Uh, rematch between? No, between Connor and Gage. Oh, between, I, I think Connor. Uh, the precision striking, and the reason why I say Connor is because Gage is not going to engage his wrestling. He's going to do what he always does. Going to stand, and if you're doing that with Connor, I I'm sorry. It it unless you knock him out, you're not, you're not, you're not going to beat him. I, I don't think so. That's just my opinion. Javier, uh, when, you, when we were watching the Tony Ferguson fight, there were obviously no fans, so the you could hear both coaches pretty well. But when did, what did you make of Trevor Whitman's coaching between rounds? A lot of people praised him for for calming Justin Downward. Fantastic. Uh, compared to the other corner, uh, I don't think they knew what the heck that was going on. I think they weren't used to what happened, and they didn't know how to bring their fighter back. So it's like a, a great corner versus a corner that actually just they didn't they were lost. I thought. I thought. Uh, a lot's obviously been made of the wrestling versus the wrestling, but in terms of the striking, I think a lot of people would say Justin has the advantage, but do you think Habib's striking is just that much, is just so underrated coming? Well, Habib's striking has been underrated from the get-go. I mean, watch what he did with Connor. He stood with Connor the whole round on purpose. And, and, and did he win that round? Probably not. Did he lose that round? Maybe not. Maybe he won. I mean, it was that close. So he does that to me all the time. And uh, the thing I don't feel comfortable about is because I like an easy route. And to me, I think he's the best on the planet that there's ever been at 155 uh, on taking people to the ground and sticking on the ground. So I prefer the easy route. So I always like that. So he always scares the hell out of me when he, when he likes to stand with people. I don't like that. And, and and I'm saying this because I'm hoping that it rings true to him to don't stand with this guy. I don't want that because, you know, it's not an easy feeling knowing that you have an easier route to a victory and he chooses to go the harder route. And with his father there, he went strictly 100% the father's plan route, and that, that's the part that, that scares me a little. Right, so as you could expect, uh, I mean, of course, Javier feels good about his guy. Um, I did like the fact that, that he was open and honest about um, the impact of, of the loss of Habib's father. I mean, that is a that is a question that we knew. I mean, you know the answer to it, right? Like Habib, you know, there was that conference call a few weeks back, and Habib, um, I don't want to say he was he put a reporter in his place because it's not that. But, but he did. He did. It's like you, <laughs> you, you, you ask a question that you know the answer to, right? And I get it, man. I, there are so many times in our careers where you, you ask a question knowing the answer just because you need the answer. Like you need it on record to put in your yeah. story. But Habib basically said – Dana, is racism allowed? <laughs> there you go, right? I'm trying to set you up to just say, no, it's not allowed. Um, and, and uh, you know, <laughs> Habib said, listen, I mean, I don't know why people ask me this. Like, have you – you know – if you lost your father, would it be difficult? Well, of course it would be difficult. Well, there you go. Yes. You know what I mean? So, um, but but I, I did think it was you know I guess t to hear Javier say, "Listen, man, he's it's not easy." You know what I mean? It's tough, but you know I think this guy is incredibly well equipped to deal with it. And um, you know, as you said, kind of break down what is what is wrestling, what is what is MMA wrestling, what skills. I mean, it, look, 
Habib brings everything. I, I am as excited about this fight as I've been in a while. I'm excited about this fight as, as, as I've been for one of Habib's fights in a while. Uh, you know, no disrespect to the to the massive blockbusters. Though I just I love what Gaethje brings to the table here. Um, but I in my staff picks I went with Habib, and I would not be shocked if he I don't say runs through him, but I mean if he if if Habib does Habib. I think you said earlier we're going to wake up on Monday morning and think, well, of course that's going to happen. Why did, why didn't I see that happening? And that's going to kind of be whatever happens in the fight. That right. If Gaethje knocks him out, you go, see, we knew the defensive wrestling was that well, good. If, if why, didn't we, why didn't we admit Habib's striking is limited? Yeah. If, if like Habib comes out and tries to take him down and Justin just shrugs him off right? and then one would assume lights him the fuck up, we're going to say on Monday, like, well, look, of course, finally he fought a wrestler who's wrestled a long time. This is the first time he's ever really fought a good wrestler. Yeah, obviously that was going to happen. His striking was never good enough. He never fought a wrestler. Boom, here we are. Um, if Habib comes and just trains him to the cage and takes him down and eventually chokes him out, say, well, he's done that to everyone, so yeah. why wouldn't he well, do it to Justin? Yeah, yeah. Oh, we got all hype for this fight. It was, he was never even that good to begin with. Yeah, so it's, it's funny. And, and Habib's an interesting guy, man. I think uh, Habib, a lot about Habib is almost taken from secondary sources. So there's a lot about his narrative and his story, like his father and stuff, that it seems to me... Uh, maybe from his management. It's all sort of secondary sources that he never really says himself. So, for example, in, in into the BT Sport, he said, oh, you're talking about 30 and 0, I'm going to retire. Like, I never said I was going to retire at 30 and 0. I just, I, I like to compete. And that's sort of different from everything else we've heard from everyone around true. him. That is true. So I wonder if he's even aware of the narratives that surround him going into But he has two fight. fights left and he's done. Yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting to me that maybe he doesn't understand that there's a lot of narratives around him that he, he doesn't realize people are asking me this question because of this reason that's funny by the way i will give a shout out to bt sport man they, they they consistently do a great job with promos man i don't know i don't know who's behind that or why they are i mean because in some ways i mean and i'm not taking a shot at the ufc the ufc does a lot of great work but for whatever reason bt sport comes up with these like really good promos for fights and i gotta say that little animated thing you know uh, telling the story of habib and his and his dad uh, man, I had to text my wife. Like I was like, "Hey, check this out." I was like, "I don't, I don't remember the last time a cartoon kind of made me tear <laughs> up a little bit." And maybe it was because I'm away. I've been away from my kid for five weeks as well. But uh, it was damn good. So, uh, listen, man, I'm, I'm, I'm pumped up for this main event. Uh, I, I don't want to go by without mentioning the co-main event because I feel like the co-main event is not getting near the love that it needs to get, man. For sure. Jared Cannonier and Robert Whitaker to me is like the perfectly placed, timed. Fight like if you threw this out there as like a pay per view headliner. Now, Fight Night headliner would be dope, but you know, pay per view headliner is not quite there yet. Um, but I, I love I love the story coming into this in terms of where they are in their career. Now, that doesn't even talk about the physical matchup itself. But Jared Cannonier, um, a guy that uh, is just unbelievably good and and has has been on this meteoric rise. And you know, you think about his physical transformation from his entry into the UFC to where he stands now uh, and this ride that he's been on versus Robert Whitaker, who I feel like Robert Whitaker isn't given the credit that he deserves for the people that he's beat. Mm-hmm. And, and I know that he did not look good against Adesanya. A lot of people don't look good against Adesanya. Um, he did better than Paul did. Uh, he did. Absolutely, no question about that. So I mean, I think it's unfair to, to 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 you know kind of put his whole career into that. All this this sport is very much a what have you done for me lately sport. I mean, there's no question about it. Um, but Robert Whitaker is an absolute animal, and 
Robert Whitaker seems to be in the best headspace I've ever seen him. Uh, but meanwhile, Cannoneer is just an absolute monster. And he's got the energy of the of the crystals. As, as Jose Youngs, who tells me he works for another MMA outlet that I've never heard of before, but he tells me he really is gainfully employed uh, by somebody. Now, uh, obviously, of MMA fighting, just messing with him over there. He's he's deep in the edit on his work over there, but he's he's uh, hanging out with us today. We've kind of we've kind of become the uh, the road dogs uh, over these past five weeks. Uh, although Jose Youngs' luck has been uh, <laughs> just horrible. Jose Youngs, in fact, Jose Youngs just pointed to the crystals that Jared Cannonier is putting his faith in. And I'm now picking Robert Whitaker immediately <laughs> because nothing has point. gone right for Jose Youngs over the past five weeks. Yeah. So how can it go right for, for Jerry Cannon? No, but how cool is it? You know, we've been kind of doing this Monday ritual where uh, we've been going to the Yaz Beach on Mondays because the fighters in their camps get out of uh, quarantine on Monday and immediately <laughs> everybody goes to the beach because they want their photo op with the octagon. Yeah, yeah. Um, they, you know, everybody wants to go get their photo op. But it's just kind of a fun thing because everybody's in great spirits because they're getting out of quarantine. You know, Have a good time. Yeah, everybody's hanging out, you know. <laughs> maybe a couple cocktails, depending on if you're fighting or not. You know, maybe maybe taking a little swim. You know what I mean? Just doing all kinds of stuff, having a good time. Oh, yeah. There's some inside jokes there. We'll tell you about them sometime. If you if you get us by severe sometime, we'll tell you about that. Um, but anyway, so uh, Jared Cannonier, we got there, and they showed a little bit of it on the uh, embedded, which was which is cool. That was another thing they showed on the embedded, but we kind of saw it happening live. Was like he was in the cage with his crystals, like soaking in the energy of. The universe and the and the and the messages that were being given to him. Mm -hmm. uh, but listen, I like Jared. His chakra was far open. It was open. Uh, but no, I, I like Jared. I, in the beginning, when I first met him, I, I was like, I don't, I, I don't, not sure if I know how to talk to this guy or not. But man, when you when you really kind of start to understand his energy and, and that sort of thing, I think he's I think he's a, just a super interesting character and an absolute specimen. So. Um, Dude, I love this fight. I mean, what, what what have you taken out of seeing these guys this week, and what do you think about this fight itself? I love this fight. I love the fact that they at media day were both uh, so confident, but in completely different ways. Rob was uh, so – I mean, I tell you what, you mentioned Rob seems in a better headspace. That's an understatement. The dude is cracking jokes in a, in a uh, an event he would usually be sour puss as fuck. Yep. Uh, he's a great – very fun to talk to, but he, he's so, he still exudes confidence. Yep. Then you go to Jared Cannonier for a bit more intense, a bit more aggressive. I'm here. I'm, re I'm ready to go right now. He might not be ready to go right now. I am. You know, I think his, the quote he said was, uh, "They're going to say to Rob, ready, set, go. I'm already going.' Or something. You know, yeah. it's it pretty cool. So like he's, I'm, he's not going to have a chance to set his feet. I'm yeah, gonna be right yeah. there. I love that attitude. I will say, and I think out of the two of them, Jared's definitely got the momentum right because when you think of Jared Cannonier, you think of this motherfucker just destroying people, just yep. very violent, very violent knockouts. But I'm taking a look at their record. Israel Adesanya defeat aside, Robert Whitaker's record completely stellar. It destroys Cannonier's. Cannonier is on a three-fight win streak. It, for whatever reason, it feels like way right. more than that. He's only won three fights in a row. He lost to Blaukovich and Reyes. Fine. Fair. Came down to middleweight. Murdered David Branch. He's. I don't think he's ever been seen again. Anderson Silva. He. You know, the weird leg kick thing. And then Jack Hermanson. Three great names. Mm -hmm. Great thing. Hermanson clearly the, the the highest quality win out of the three. No disrespect to Anderson Silva all time. No, no, no. But, but current form. But it's also the way he's won those fights, right? right. They're, they're all decisive, um, violent finishes. But then you look at Rob Whitaker, and I'm not going to go all the way back. But this guy, you know, beat Derek Brunson in a crazy brawl. Jackery Souza, I felt like he's he kind of 
shrugged him off with mm -hmm. ease, then beat Romero in the two e epic fights we know, then fought Izzy, okay, got styled on and knocked out, so maybe did the Romero fight take the toll? No, not really, because he got dropped against Darren Till and then came back to win that fight. So his chin's still there. So I think this could turn out to be a y'all must have forgot performance, and I will say as well, I, I think Rob could come out there, but on the flip side, maybe this whole good-natured fight week for Rob is actually a teller that he's not going to be that guy anymore. Maybe he needs to be aggressive. To maybe come he needs in. that little anger. I mean, you do like that little that little twitch in his eye when he's pounding on the chest. I yeah. mean, but but we'll see. I, but I'll I, be honest I, I with think you. I think he I, I think he's a very good fighter. That's a lot of people forgot about. I do too, and and that's why I actually went with Robert Whitaker, and I believe he's even the betting underdog in this fight. If if I remember, I haven't looked at the odds lately, but I believe Should he's be the betting even, underdog. Man, that's silly. I actually took uh, Robert Whitaker in this fight even before uh, I knew about the Jose Young. Crystal problems, <laughs> uh, but now I'm confident in my pick. But no, listen, Canada is not even making it to the fucking cage. <laughs> I'm telling you. What, so uh, th that's what I love about this fight because I think one of two things happens. Either you know, no, again, it, it I, I don't see this being a boring fight either. To be honest, I see this being a, a good fight one or the other. But you either get, as you said, Robert Whitaker reestablishing himself and saying, "Hey, man, you, you guys counted me out. You made a mistake there," or you get Jared Cannonier putting an exclamation point going. Yeah, I am the killer gorilla. Like I am that guy that, that tears through souls and you know marauds human. <laughs> whatever he says, he says if he's got. He says some crazy shit. He says some very descriptive words. Uh, I, I love that. All right, uh, you know, let's kind of take a, a quick glance at the rest of the card. A six-fight main card, by the way, worth pointing out. I'm, I'm sure most people know by now. If you're listening to this, uh, you know, I think you're probably a hardcore. But just to say it one more time. 2 p.m. Eastern time for the for the main card. So this is a, a normal time, if you will. This is this is as far as timing goes. This is essentially like an East Coast pay per view for us. A 10 p.m. Eastern, uh, 10 p.m. Gulf Standard time, I should say, start, uh, which means 2 p.m. Eastern back home. So we're not doing the the the, the 2 a.m. start, uh, yeah, which yeah. does kind of screw up our routine of. Maybe stopping by Stills for a little <laughs> afternoon <laughs> beverage to take a little nap before the fights. Oh yeah, that's true. I know. We can get shit face on the way. Oh, we, we we can enjoy an adult beverage oh, yeah. when we return. That's true. We've got a long flight home once we go, so I think I imagine we have a cocktail too on there. Uh, so 2 p.m. Eastern uh, main card is a six-fight main card. Uh, Walt Harris is back against Alexander Volkov. Um, it's nice to see Walt, and and I and I I can appreciate Walt being the honest man that he is and mm -hmm. saying, "Look, uh, you know I ain't trying to make." excuses but I mean I think we all knew back in Florida there's no way in hell this dude is mentally here 100% right now and, and I like the fact that he said you know what I wasn't I just wasn't 100% but I got that you know he got that under his belt and that now I think we see where Walt Harris is at now now I think there's a chance we see okay personal tragedy aside his his, his headspace is a lot better and we're going to get to see we're going to get to see what Walt Harris is about and, and, and listen I like I, I I'm a Walt Harris homer, man. He's always been just such a good dude. Um, and damn, he damn near won that fight. You know what I mean? Back in back in Florida, um, I think this is going to be. Uh, uh, I think it's a winnable fight. I think it is a, an interesting test. Volkov is a. Um, uh, he can be very very difficult to deal with because of his size, but I, I do think the blueprint has been laid on on how to beat him. And by the way, I like the fact that when we talked to Walt, he didn't even really try to hide anything he's like bro i've been working on my wrestling i've been working <laughs> on my wrestling like yeah that's probably what you need to do yeah i think uh you know if you just go go ahead and say it there is no way in my mind that walt harris went into that fight dropped alistair overeem in the first round and at some level deep in his core just felt get a finish get a yeah, finish get a finish and gassed himself out 
completely understandable. He was obviously so fucked after that initial flurry. He was so tired. That was not Wal Harris. You know, he didn't fight like himself. He he clipped over him and got was unleashing a lot of uh, yeah. emotion there. Um, so I'm excited to see how he comes into this fight. I think look, it's a it's a fun fight. Volkov's a very good striker, man, and Volkov might just kind of disappoint. I think the world's kind of still rooting for a Walt win. You have you to, know, you know, what you I mean? have to. I think he might come in and play spoiler to that, and might show that like you know his striking is okay, but I'm actually a very decorated striker. But I could also see Walt doing a, a Derek Lewis and knocking someone out. By the way, if if uh, if you want to appreciate Alexander Volkov a little bit, uh, go watch his pre-fight scrum because Walt Harris had come in and said that he thinks he has the best striking in the heavyweight division, and uh, I, I believe maybe it was even Jose that yeah that asked Alexander about that. He's like, "Hey, uh, Walt Harris came and said that he's got the best uh, striking in the heavyweight division. What do you think about that?" And Volkov, obviously, English not his first language. He always has a translator with him, um, but credit to Volkov. He speaks as much English as he possibly can. He only uses the translator to uh, to translate questions he doesn't understand or maybe if he doesn't have the vocabulary to say the answer that he wants. But Volkov, it's – and again, I'm a Walt Harris fan, but I, this, this made me giggle because he just kind of like sits there for a second and you're like, oh, he's really considering uh, the ramifications of these questions and he's thinking, he's weighing out loud uh, who may have been better. And then he just goes – I was like, like, oh, man, he just gets his little giggle, like, come on, man. Uh, And then, by the way, he came back with the politically correct answer. He's like, well, everybody in the heavyweight division has heavy hands. We can all strike. We can all knock people out. So we probably all think that we have the best. But uh, the pause in the – it was like a Peter Griffin, like (laughs) – Jillian Robertson. (laughs) Oh, look at Jillian Robertson. (laughs) Oh, so good. Uh, so that was good. It's worth checking out if you want to get a little appreciation for Alexander Volkov. Uh, Phil Hawes is on the main card, man. I've been I've been a Phil Hawes backer for a long time, and like, man, the Uber prospect that, um, you know, that that uh, just kept coming up short in the big situations, and now he's on the pay per view main card. That's that's a big spot for him uh, against the newcomer Jacob Malkoon. You got Lauren Murphy against the newcomer and Lilia Shakirova. Lauren Murphy. Um, by the way, you know, kind of said, like, look, I, you know, I know I'm taking a chance here. Like, I'm kind of up there at the top of the division, and I'm taking on a newcomer who has zero reputation whatsoever. Uh, Lilia, the first uh, female Uzbekistani fighter, um, who, by the way, is kind of an interesting character as well. Like, talked about how she used to just wrestle, and then she started doing MMA because she basically just, like, got into a street fight and decided this is way better than wrestling and yeah. um, gave it, kudos to Habib Nurmagomedov. That's what happens. Uh, gave kudos to Habib Nurmagomedov for actually um, helping the sport of uh, of MMA grow in, in Uzbekistan. So um, that that could be an interesting matchup. And uh, I'm just not ready to say that Magomed Ankalaev and Ian Kutulaba is is, is going to happen yet. Oh, I know it's not. It's I, not. I, I'm knocking on wood right now. I'm knocking on wood. I know I shouldn't even mention it. Uh, I mean, there's still time for somebody to get COVID. Uh, somebody could miss weight. The bus uh, could crash on the way to the wins. You know what I mean? Something could happen. I, I will say. And I'm only not getting excited about it because it's, it's been canceled so many times. If they get into the cage, that could be that could be pure chaos. Imagine if it's just an absolute stinker of a fight. <laughs> just get, We've rescheduled this this many times. You wasted my time. How <laughs> dare you? Yeah, I think this is going to be entertaining. Um, by the way, uh, you know, normally when when you do shows overseas, you do them in the middle of the afternoon. You expect 
a big lull uh, in the uh, in the a big lull. Not that's not the right way to say it. You expect a drop off, I should say, in the pay per view sales. But how about uh, USC President Dana White kind of kind of pulling all three of us to the side the other day and say, Hey, listen, I want to share some numbers with you guys. Uh, here's why I keep saying it. I've heard people question me uh, of why I think this is going to be a blockbuster. Let me show you the numbers and, and basically kind of showed us some internal numbers about why. Like, look, I'm not just sitting up here telling you stuff. This is. This is why we think this could be an incredibly successful pay-per-view. Yeah, I, I, the numbers he told us were obviously astronomical, but I do believe we're in a transitional period for not just MMA, but metrics in general. I think we're in a transitional period in where a lot of people, and maybe piracy is a lot allowed to do with this, but the pre-fight metrics don't add up to what the post-fight metrics are. Because, So, for example, case in point, when he was telling us this, I was thinking, well... For my personal metrics, Adesanya Costa was massive, right. absolutely massive, and it did seven hundred thousand, reportedly seven hundred thousand pay per view buys. So there seems to be a disconnect for me between the pre-fight stuff and how many people actually buy the thing. I wonder if a lot of that is piracy. You make a great point. Now here's where I'm going to counter, and that I kind of had forgot about when we were talking to him. This is a fight card that, for instance, in the UK, we know on BT Sport it's a pay per view. Right, it's a pay-per-view. I wonder how many international markets, and and maybe it's something we could have asked, but I'll be honest with you, I know people track pay-per-view buys. I don't care. I, yeah. Maybe it's just me. I don't. I don't care how much money the UFC makes on it. Like it's not. It, I. I don't care. Um, and maybe that's a weird uh, attitude, but I just don't. But I don't know how many other markets that aren't normally pay-per-view markets are pay-per-view for this. For instance. I think it's the same here. In fact, one of the waiters the other day was telling me, he was like, uh, in fact, it was last night. He said, uh, I know, it's weird. We were drinking last night, too. Um, <laughs> he said to me, he was like, oh, he's like, the Habib fight Saturday. Because, you know, we were editing, like, photos that we had taken on the beach and stuff. He's like, man, that's, that looks good, you know. And he's like, man, we can't watch the Habib fight in here on Saturday. And I was like, why not? Um, now, again, I'm taking a, a random server's word, so if I'm wrong, I apologize. <laughs> yeah. I, I didn't vet my sources here. Um, but he said uh, normally the fights are just shown on Abu Dhabi TV, um, and this time you actually have to buy, you have to order it, you have to pay for it. So I think it's probably a pay-per-view in more markets than it usually is, and that, that might be, you know. Now, granted, those people, like, for instance, in the U.K., like, you pay, like, $15, right? Like, I, you think, don't I, think, pay actually, I think they bumped it up for this one. I think it's, like, 20 25 Okay, now. but not the normal prices that we think of of U.S. Uh, of US no, 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 of course prices. not. No, no, no. And I'm sure, I'm sure here in Abu Dhabi, oh, hell, in Abu Dhabi, it might be $500. I don't know. It's so expensive <laughs> here, you know what I mean? Um, but so it could be one of those things where maybe the revenue isn't as high as it would be on, say, a, a $2.4 million U.S. pay-per-view buy. Uh, card between Habib and and uh, and Connor, but maybe the numbers are still off the charts because, as we said, you are talking about a global superstar in Habib. So uh, I don't know. It was just food for that. I found it interesting that you know Dana wanted to share that with us and and, and gave us you know that that information uh, kind of off to the side of everybody else. I think there's an element right when you see a pay per view abroad not on U.S. time when it's catered to the audience abroad. It, there's an element of people feel like ah. Uh, they're kind of writing this one off for their partners, you know. So, oh, the site fee they must have got from Abu Dhabi is like, fuck the pay-per-view, we sure. got it. So maybe he wanted to point out that it doesn't matter That's anymore. The sport is now so global that it do they don't need to operate and live and die on the U.S. numbers, um, which I actually think is, um, and no disrespect, 
has long been an American problem where they the pay-per-view buys are then they only ever fucking register the US as if the rest of the world doesn't exist. I completely agree. I, I've I've had that battle for years, man. Obviously, you know, I've been fortunate enough to travel the world and cover the sport, but like, man, I've been hearing for ten years how uh, you know mixed martial arts, the growth of it has stopped, and I'm like, are you? Are you serious? Like, have you ever been outside of the country and seen that there's brand new markets that are just taking hold, like that are just starting to get into the sport? So, uh, I agree. All right, uh, let's just burn through the prelims real quick uh, about anything that stands out to you. Stefan Struve versus Ty Tuivas. I mean, I think that one's got to be most interesting in a lot of ways. I mean, Struve has obviously had his battles, um, but Ty Tuivasa, you know, didn't spend his whole camp at AKA, but did spend you know the beginning of 2020 before the pandemic hit. Um, and I thought Ty, I look. Ty had a shirt on, but I will say Ty looked to me to be in better physical Facially condition much, than he had. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah, yeah. So I thought he looked to me better. We haven't seen him on the scales yet, but he looked to be in better physical condition. And I had heard that he wasn't uh, doing much media. Somebody, I can't remember who told me that that he I wasn't doing. Was he that said he wasn't <laughs> doing much media? Yeah. So I was worried that when he got in there, he would be standoffish. And, and, and you know, I think when you and I talked about it, it was like, well. I can imagine he doesn't want to really speak to anybody right now because he's in a, he's in a bad spot right now. He needs to win a fight or, or he's going to be in trouble. Um, but I thought he was pretty open about saying, "Man, look, I'm, I'm done losing. I'm sick of it. Um, you know, I, I I I you know I I rose up the ranks pretty fast. I know I got popular, and then you know I, I had some losses, and then I won the mat at AKA, and I had a real eye-opening time where I said, "Oh my God, uh, there's you know, as DC would say." There's levels to this game, and uh, and and uh, he wants to move up them. So I I'm uh, I'm intrigued by this fight. Again, it's funny because when you think about the body types between Ty Tuivasa and Stefan Struve, man, I don't know if there's two more opposite body types in the heavyweight division. Um, but but I'm interested by this fight. Yeah, I mean I'm a big Ty fan. You know he drinks beers out of his shoe. What's not to love? Gotcha. So I, I like Ty, and uh, I did feel that on the media he wasn't like standoffish or anything. But I did feel he was more reserved. He wasn't the fun, lovely, bubbly guy that we. Um, or perhaps used or expect to seeing, but I really appreciated his candy. Went to AKA, so that was a learning experience. You know, I got, like got wrestled to the fucking ground as soon as we got there, and then we got to speak to DC. And I wanted to ask him about Ty too because I, I think Ty is a personality that could come back into this. And he said, "Look, when he got there, he realized that he actually kind of wasn't really training MMA. He was kind of just fighting, and he got three wins in the UFC just by fighting. And and he could be a thing, but he needs to." I, I actually, one thing I will say, I didn't think DC was overly complimentary to him. Not that he wasn't complimentary, but he was very grounded in his analysis of Ty. He was like, oh, he's the next big thing. He could easily do it. He's like, yeah, he's got a lot of work to do. And he's yeah, yeah. He better start doing it. And it, Very much coach. But that, yeah, I was going to say, that honest assessment is what yeah. you need, right? You don't need people around you going, you're the best. 100%. And I, I respect it. And I think this matchup is, when this matchup got announced, you and I both looked at each other and went, that's fun because it has the potential to be a showcase for either man. You know, if Ty comes out there and Mark hunts Stefan, I think it puts him back oh, in, in, a, in back in a heavyweight division that still needs fresh blood. Yeah. You know, now is he going to struggle when he gets up there and meets people like Curtis Blades and stuff like that? Yes. I would imagine. Right now, for the time being, absolutely. I don't know how good his wrestling can get. He's got the same sort of disadvantage most Europeans have, and that they well, most Western Europeans have that they don't wrestle from a young age. But this is a much needed fight for Ty to get back on track and remind us that there could be a young contender at heavyweight and I really would like to see him do it 
I agree. And uh, listen, he said that once the, you know, the pandemic is kind of settling and we get back to life as normal, like he wants to relocate to, to AKA, man, which if he does that, that could be big. Uh, Casey Kinney versus Nathaniel Wood. I think a lot of us have our eye on that as, as a key bantamweight matchup, man. Some guys that can, can really make some waves in the division. Uh, obviously, Cowboy Oliveira is in there against Shavkat Rakhmanovov. That could be a fun fight. Sam Alvey versus Dion June could actually be a fun fight as well. So the prelims, while maybe not necessarily filled with uh, you know ranked opponents, that sort of thing, I think could actually be pretty entertaining. And uh, listen, man, we're almost done. I, I, I'm excited for this card. You know, I I think I realized it just before we sat down to record this, and I apologize. I, I think we've been okay the last couple weeks. Hopefully, if you're a long-time listener of the MMA Roadshow, you still enjoy the shows. I do think I've been carrying this little cloud over my shoulder of just, well, we've got another week. We've got another, we've got we got to get through there. And now that the, now that we're on the other side of it, now that we're there, now I can see the end, man. Um, Jose Young's is is, is 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 dark. He's feeling it over there. He's still not quite. <laughs> I'm excited. I I feel like uh, uh, hopefully hopefully we brought the proper energy all the way around because I, I realized there were probably some days here where I thought I just need to get through the day because there's another one and then there's another one. Yeah. And now and now, it, you know, at the risk of sounding cheesy, right before we sat down, it did make me think. You know what, man? Don't just try to get through days, man. Try to take advantage of your days. Enjoy the days. Now that it's done, bro, we spent eight weeks in Abu Dhabi this year, man. We spent eight <laughs> weeks on Fight Island, one of the cra- – I mean, this is one of the craziest stories in sports history, man. And, you know, obviously we didn't spend as much time this time talking about uh, how the bubble works and how the COVID testing works. and Because I feel like by now everybody doesn't even care anymore and they've yeah. seen it. They've I don't even care and I'm in it. You know what I mean? Like, like at this point everybody knows. But honestly, man, like – this is going to be a point in time that you'll never forget for the rest of your life, man. No matter how long, no matter how long you cover the sport, no matter what you do, no matter how many big fights you go to, you will never, ever, ever forget the eight weeks you spent at Stills. I mean, I mean, the eight <laughs> weeks you spent on Fight Island. You know what I mean? Well, that's so. Uh, one thing that's sort of been coming to my mind recently with you know, not that like fucking COVID looks like it's going away anytime soon, but eventually it will. And we'll have fans back and stuff like that. And I've started to realize that this period in time with no fans is a very unique period in time that will be gone soon. Uh, we're not going to. They're not, not going to do events without fans and events with That's fans right. and stuff. So this is a very unique window to appreciate the sport in a way we've never had it before and never will again. Presumably, as long as hopefully, no fingers crossed, a pangolin or something. But I mean, I'm enjoying it, and. Fight Island for me is uh, is the perfect example of this period. Um, I've been very fortunate enough to be here. I, mean, I felt safe here. It's yep. been cool here. I mean, admittedly, if you told me on January 1st you'll be spending eight weeks in Abu Dhabi, I'd have just ended it there. Yep. But um, I've I've grown to like it. Um, and it's 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 hard. It's a hard experience to put into words because you know we just work. It's just work. You can't do anything. You can't appreciate anything. But when I'm on the plane home. On Sunday, I will a be looking forward to going to the pub, and b I will think, man, there's a very limited amount of media. I was one of them. It's cool. It is pretty cool. And by the way, I I would say I miss my wife and kid, and that's 100 percent true. I miss B Dubs too. I'm gonna get some wings. Yeah, you've mentioned that <laughs> once or twice. We'll, well I just miss whoring, sir. Not like paying for. I just mean like whoring myself. Oh, okay, out. okay, okay. Fair I'm enough. Whoring myself out to people. People need love, Jose. Don't look at me like that. <laughs> We're not even going to fucking get it. <laughs> You're going to crash the plane anyway. Oh, my goodness. By the way, 
maybe 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 we'll uh, maybe we'll see if we can sneak Jose Young's on an and a half episode this week, and he can tell you uh, how bad his, <laughs> his five life weeks have been has been. It has been it has been something to behold, man. It has been something to watch. Uh, so that's why you need to go to patreon.com slash the so you can hear how bad Jose Young's life sucks. In the meantime, we'll just say thanks for listening. <laughs>